Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox and I'm Josh. I am so excited today to have Emily Stroud. Emily, thanks for joining us. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me today. Emily owns and manages a boutique investment firm called Stroud Financial Management. She's been a financial advisor for nearly two decades. As both an MBA and a CFA, she counsels people on how to handle their money, manage risk, and ensure a nice, tidy retirement. I love that. She lives in Fort Worth with her husband and two children. She has a website. It's emilygstroud.com. She's a speaker, blogger, and a new author. Her newest book is entitled Faithful Finance. Emily, tell us about Faithful Finance. All right. Well, Faithful Finance is a book that presents a soup-to-nuts approach on proactive financial planning. It's not written like a textbook. It's written in a conversational style. And what we try to do is equip our readers on how to move forward with their finances in a productive and proactive manner. And we take complicated words such as asset allocation and diversification And we take the scary part of those words out, we define them, and we explain what they mean and how they affect our readers. And so we think that we are equipping people to live a much more fruitful and peaceful life as it relates to their finances. You know, so many, when you start talking finances, so many people just, their eyes glaze over. Why do you think that money has the effect on people like that? You know, it's so interesting. What I have found through my career is everybody has some issue with money those who have plentiful resources and those who don't, they all have some fear associated with some aspect of their finances. I think it represents security, and especially for women, we crave security. And when our finances are out of control, we feel really out of sorts. Uh, For men, it represents their ability to provide for their family. It also creates chaos for them if they feel that their finances are out of control. And so there's a lot of fear associated with money and that's what we've tried to address in this book. And so it's it really kind of triggers that that fear mechanism within the brain. And many people, whether it's, you know, fight, flight, or freeze, many people just choose to freeze and ignore, I guess. Well, they don't have any idea where to start, who to turn to, who they can trust for advice. And so they just shut down. Hmm. And they're almost it's almost paralysis of analysis. They don't know what yep. to do to move forward. So the title, Faithful Finances, I think would hit a chord for a lot of our audience because you probably hit on the word faithful because the opposite is so often true. People are unfaithful in their finances. Why do you think that is the case? Well, it actually has two meanings. Faithful finance means being aware of your relationship to God and money. So it has a spiritual component. And it also means that from a secular standpoint, that you're being faithful to do the right things every month, every year. So it's almost a religious practice. I do this every month, no matter what. 
So it has two meanings as well. I love the the whole imagery of the religious practice. When you said that, my mind went to a spiritual discipline. And while I've read two to three spiritual discipline books, finances is never necessarily a discipline, but to your point, it is. Speak to to just being uh, faithful and disciplined, spiritually speaking, with our finances. Well, there's this misnomer out there that money is evil, and that could not be farther from the truth. The love of money above all else is evil, but not money itself. So from a spiritual standpoint, God wants us to learn how to manage our money wisely. He wants us to be fruitful with our resources, to multiply them, and to be able to bless our families and bless others beyond our homes and walls and cities and across the globe. So there's a huge spiritual component to money. It also represents what's important to you. How you spend your money is a pretty good indication of where your heart is. And so I often ask people, if I were to look in your checking account and see how you spent your money this last month, would it tell me what's important to you? And most people can relate to that pretty well. Are there any consistent themes that you see as far as looking in others' pocketbooks, what we prize as as kind of middle-class America? You know, everybody's situation is different, so I don't think I can come up with a generalization of I see this every single time. Um, but you start to see patterns. People that are really stressed out about their finances, more than likely they don't have a budget in place, and they're spending more than they make, and they don't even realize it. And so they're then using credit cards to compensate for that deficit every month. Um, if a person is really stressed out and really in a state of fear with their finances, I can usually trace it back to a spending habit of some sort. And then there's a psychological component and a spiritual component of why are you buying so much stuff? Are you trying to fill yourself up with things rather than your relationship with God? So it's all connected. So in the book, you give 10 secrets for being faithful within your finances. Can you give us a couple of those? Well, you have to read the book to get all the secrets. (laughs) I like it. I'm supposed to say that, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, well, you know, and it's funny, these are called secrets, but a lot of it, I believe, is common sense, but we just have to break it down in such a way that it makes sense to everyone, and it's a step-by-step approach. So each chapter is is focused on one particular topic. For example, insurance. We talk about the need to protect your loved ones in the event of your death or disability, or in the future if you may need long-term care insurance, either for yourself or your parents. So we talk about the faithful insure their selves from a financial risk mitigation situation. And so that's an example of a secret is how do you purchase insurance for the least amount of dollars to protect yourself? Um, We talk about investments. We talk about cash reserve accounts. We talk about all sorts of topics, estate planning, credit card debt, how to buy a house, in a responsible manner. That's one secret. I call it nobody got rich paying too much for a house. <laughs> so there's all sorts of little nuggets in there. Is there is there a such thing as being overly insured? Yes, of course. Yes. You don't want to pay more than you need to pay in premiums for insurance. But people always ask me, is insurance an investment? And I say, no, insurance is an expense. But it's a necessary expense to protect yourself from the worst case possible. So, for example, if you are a husband with a wife and small children Mm -hmm. and she Mm -hmm. stays at home, 
if you were to die unexpectedly, you don't want her to have two problems. Number one, she's grieving your loss and trying to figure out how to move forward, but then yeah. also financially devastated. So mm. you want to provide enough coverage. And that's something else I talk about in the book is a lot of people have no idea how much coverage they really need. And there mm. is a simple formula for getting a rough idea of how much insurance you need. And so people can figure out, am I overinsured or underinsured? Sure. And then how can I get the right type of insurance for my particular situation? Recording our Paradox podcast is a labor of love. We love exploring topics important to Christian families. We love bringing you interviews with authors, musicians, and podcasters that are shaping our world. Also, Jim loves to hear himself talk. See, I've been told that my voice is mellifluous. You have no clue what that means, do you? No. We also love making thousands of dollars. I know I do, if not you, Josh. I mean, we are, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but on this podcast, we are literally taking baths in $100. Jimbo, Jimbo we, we're not making any money. And actually, as of right now, we're behind $2,500, so we're actually losing our shirts. But see, see, that's a negative confession. You seem to think that that's a problem. It's not a problem, my friend, because we have a Patreon account. Please consider supporting us on patreon.com backslash paradox. If you think the show has helped your family, if you believe in what we're doing, you can make a one-time contribution or set up a subscription. With your help, we can continue to bring healing to Christian families. That's what I call mellifry, mellifo. The word you're looking for is mellifluous. So if there is a spiritual component a heart emotional component to finances. You got to think there's a cultural component as well. You hear the keeping up with the Joneses and the American dream. How much does our American culture play into being unfaithful in finances? Well, I was talking to someone the other day about this. We are the most marketed to society in history. They are selling us discontentment over and over and over, whether it's the radio or on television. It's if I just get this one last thing, then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm going to be content. Mm. And what happens? Stuff always fades, rust go out, goes out of style, and I got to get the next thing. And now with social media, it's even more rampant because people get online and they're comparing their life to their neighbor's life or their friend's life. And they think, man, everybody else is having a lot more fun than I am. And so instead of looking at it as a heart issue, they think it's a financial issue. So then I guess the next question, is it as simple as just putting together a budget or is it absolutely working on that heart issue as well? Oh, absolutely. It's both. Hmm. So uh, from a practical standpoint, I give you a budget worksheet in the book, and that's something that I also give away for free on my website, emilygstroud.com. If you'll put your email address in, I will personally send you a budget worksheet because Mm -hmm. the number one objection I hear from people when they don't know how to start is, I don't even know what to include in a budget worksheet. So I've made a detailed budget worksheet where you literally fill in the blanks and add and subtract. So I've tried to take away that objection. I got the worksheet for you, so now you can't say that that's, (laughs) An excuse, right? And then also, you need to be honest. And this is where conversations come in with your spouse if you're married or your parents is, 
you need to be honest. What am I really doing with my money? And sometimes people don't know because we have credit cards so readily accessible that we just swipe, swipe, swipe. And then we don't even really know what we're spending our money, especially with Amazon now. I mean, you can get anything you want at the tip of your finger just by, you know, surfing on your computer and you don't even realize. They just come to you. Oh, sure. Yeah. Amazon can be one of the most confusing things as far as to budget because there's so many, I guess, line items that are hidden within each purchase, if that makes sense. And each one promises to fix whatever problem you have. Exactly, exactly. So you've spoken a little bit to to what God says about money, and we've kind of tied it into the heart issue and the American dream and the pursuit of more and the pursuit of ultimately contentment. What does God, in your estimation or research, say about the American dream and that pursuit of contentment and things? Well, what He wants is a relationship with your heart. He doesn't really care if you have the latest and greatest of stuff. And so I often tell people you can learn this lesson the hard way or the easy way. And one of those ways that you can learn this is by switching your focus on what can my money do for me and then change it to what can I use my money to do to serve others? And how can I learn to give generously? Because I do believe that God blesses those who bless others. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel that if you buy my book and do what I say, you're going to be rich beyond your wildest imagination. But there's more discussions in the Bible about money than almost any other topic besides love Mm. and why it's important and why it's a heart issue and why you need to be a faithful steward of your finances. Do you think that we as Americans are financially too comfortable and that that has lessened our reliance on our creator? Well, sure. I mean, it's easy to forget that we need him when we've got so much comfort and amenities around us mm-hmm. at any particular time. We and it might be a facade because we're using credit cards to purchase those things, but security Exactly, but we still have it. Mm-hmm. And um, we're not most of us are not worried about where is our next meal going to come from. We're truly, truly dependent on him for our daily survival. And if it is that, you know, that second or third topic right behind love in Scripture, there's that's purposeful. Um, And God knew how powerful money could be as far as providing that security that he wanted to provide for us. Exactly. Money is difficult if you're single and just trying to budget and figure it out for yourself, it's compounded within marriage because, son of a gun, funny enough, there are two people within a marriage, and there's two minds, two hearts, two different life experiences with money, and that combination can cause a lot of fireworks. I guess speak first to the difficulty of finances within marriage, and then what are some practical ways couples could begin to get on the same page? Well, I have a funny little saying that sounds cheesy, but it helps people get focused. As I say, you have to love your honey more than you love your money. And so um, what that really means is you have to put your spouse first rather than your own selfish desires. And so within marriage, you've got two imperfect people that are trying to make 
agreements and compromise. And so it's a struggle for a lot of people. It's one of the top three reasons that couples argue and divorce. And this was also one of the reasons I felt led to write this book is I felt like we could save marriages, which saves family, which then improves our overall country if we have solid foundations for our people. And unfortunately, disagreements over money is at the root of a lot of that. It's not the only thing, trust me, but it is a big factor. And so communicate, communicate, communicate. I always tell my um, clients if they are about to get married or engaged, I call it before you say I do, all the skeletons have to come out of the closet. If you have Mm -hmm. credit card debt, if you have student loans, it's okay, but you need to be honest. Yeah. And so get that out on the table. Also, it's a really good practice for couples to talk, even if they're already married. What are your dreams? What are your goals in five or 10 or 20 years? And so by communicating about that and then coming together in a common goal, that's actually very positive and can strengthen a marriage if you're both feeling like we're working on a particular goal, such as buying a home together. How can we work together? And so it's tricky. Trust me, it is. And we all come from different families of origin. So we have, we come to the table of marriage with preconceived notions about money, whether we were taught good lessons or not so good lessons from our parents. We all come with some level of baggage and we just have to learn to work together. And so honestly, it's communicating. Um, It's never a bad idea to sit down with a financial advisor or some other expert that you trust that has wisdom just to kind of be a third party unbiased mediator. That never is a bad thing. And can they, do they have to be in the DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth area to take advantage of your services, or can that be done online or via phone? No, I am now taking phone consultations with people because a lot of people are reaching out to me and they have um, some general questions or some very specific questions. They don't need a soup to nuts financial plan, but they need someone to give them some particular tools, whether it's insurance or budgeting or retirement planning or best practices for saving for college for their children or grandchildren. And so now you can reach out to my office, which is 866-484-7019 and schedule an, um, a phone consultation. Can that info be found at emilygstroud.com? Yes. Okay, yes. perfect. And did you just say soup to nuts? What did you say back there? <laughs> I did. What's, I'm not familiar with that terminology. A soup is at the very beginning of the meal, and nuts is all the way at the very end. So soup to nuts uh, means front. <laughs> I, yeah, from the context, I picked front to back, but soup to nuts, I love it. So in our final couple of minutes, we have a lot of our audience has uh, little bitty rugrats, maybe even middle schoolers and high schoolers in their house still, that they're actually in their formative years, picking up overtly and covertly messages regarding finances. How can we be, as parents, the best stewards of our children that God allowed us to teach about finances? How how can we begin being good stewards to teach our kids healthy lessons about finances? Well, I always tell people that when you're trying to teach your children important lessons, well done goes a lot farther than well said. So they're watching how you live, 
and they know whether or not you're actually practicing what you're preaching. And this applies to how you manage your money, whether you're giving generously and tithing to your church, whether you're stressed out about money every month, whether buying groceries brings up so much stress because you're overextended on credit cards. They pick up on these things. They're smarter than we give them credit for. And so um, also just having honest conversations, teaching a child maybe in middle school about how to budget and giving them some sort of allowance, but making it where they have to earn it so they start to realize the value of a dollar. You can also use a rule where you teach them to save a certain percentage, tithe a certain percentage, and then if they're faithful to do both of those, then they can spend the rest. Mm-hmm. But just teaching them good habits, how to balance a checkbook, um, if we can get them working when they're teenagers in some form or capacity and they actually get a paycheck and they realize, oh, my gosh, there's this big chunk that comes out for federal taxes and it's not a mistake <laughs> when they get their first paycheck. And the reality of that, um, while they're under your roof, is the best time to teach them these lessons because once they go to college or they're out from under your roof, they're going to be bombarded with the real world and credit cards. Companies prey on that. They're everywhere on college campuses. They can get whatever they want right away. And if they're not careful, they can get into a lot of trouble financially before they ever even turn 20 or 21 years old. And we get to teach them the valuable lesson that the joke's on them that they might never see Social Security again, (laughs) but they're paying it every month, right? Right. Um, But, okay, so fantastic words, fantastic advice. I mean, just the message... Your message was powerful, not even not necessarily even talking about budgeting, you know, talking through discontentment and being honest, like gut-wrenchingly honest about your finances. Those things are invaluably huge if you're single, if you're married, if you have kids. Emily, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. I was really looking forward to this today. If you want more information about Emily, she can be found at emilygstroud.com. She can also be found on Facebook at Emily G. Stroud. Twitter is also Emily G. Stroud. And then she has a Pinterest page that she said that she's been getting a lot of traffic on as well. And you can just go to Pinterest and search Emily G. Stroud. Just a brief wrap up. And sorry that Jimmy could not be on the show today. It is officially snowpocalypse in Austin, Texas. I'm recording this uh, January 16th, and we got like a small dusting and maybe patches of ice and literally like the city of Austin, literally, like all of its employees don't go to work. Uh, The city of Austin shut down, University of Texas, all the ISDs around. We're sissies in in central Texas, and and so I'm actually at home. (laughs) recording. And so Jimbo is obviously not at my house. And so I just recorded on my own. He has also another interview that he's doing for Fearless Parenting right now, too. So my apologies that Jimmy is not with us. But Emily was great. I loved particularly that she is female because, you know, if we were to have a male financial advisor on, uh, probably none of the women that listen to the show (laughs) would listen so hopefully, because the, she is a female, um, she she kept a lot of you guys, uh, you ladies, listening. Because we do, we do like to kind of just glaze over and turn off any talk of finances. We've had uh, 110, 115 episodes, and we've only really talked about it once. 
It's just not a topic that we like to discuss. We'll talk about loving your spouse. We'll talk about sex. You know, we'll talk about these other things, but finances can be so terrible to be honest about and to communicate about because of that underlying fear and discontentment. I love when she said that. And so we need to work on, while budgeting and while talking with our spouse, we need to be working on that underlying discontentment, insecurity, and fear. Because Scripture, while it does speak a lot about money, many more passages speaks to God's love, the security that He offers, the contentment He offers. And if we can work on our heart issues surrounding money, then a lot of the financial stuff can kind of take care of itself. I loved her piece about well done is better than well said. Love your honey more than your money. I'm going to start using that. Um, And then at the heart of our relationship with God is He wants a relationship with us. He doesn't necessarily care about all the things that we might have, that He wants a relationship with us, and He wants to infuse us with hope and with contentment. And so often our money can get in the way, offering us fake, us faux contentment. And so really focusing on your relationship with God as well as trying to do just the nuts and bolts of finances and budgeting is, it can really get your, get your emotional and your financial life as well as your parenting kids' life, you know, as far as finances are, it can really get that in order. If you want more information as well as links to this episode, you can go to paradoxpodcast.com. I really do feel silly every time I do this by myself. I feel like I'm incredibly boring. Like our guests are always fantastic, but it's like, ho-hum, Josh is just droning on and on. So I'll stop. Paradoxpodcast.com. Check out the episodes tab, um, and you can find links to everything that we talked about as well as Emily's social media. And uh, stay tuned. Next week, we'll come back with an episode as well as an interview. You can always find us, the show, as well as Jimmy and myself individually on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find that information at paradoxpodcast.com as well. Y'all take care. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescarr.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Could you name for me a Foo Fighters song? No. No, I couldn't. No, uh uh-uh. No. Hmm. No. Foo Fighters? Mm -mm. Nothing. All right. We're just going to leave it at that.